0: Hello, everybody. It's good to see you again, and I know that's kind of a funny way to put it, but uh, here we are taking time to preach the Word of God, and I enjoy doing this for you to keep things as normal as we possibly can, and don't you thank God for the technology that we have and for people that are willing to help us with this. It it just, just makes it a little bit better, and so uh, we just thank God for all of that. I was uh, listening to some sermons the other day just to feed my own soul, and one of the things that was really aggravating is somebody got going, and it was a really good sermon, but I had no idea who was preaching it because uh, they didn't identify themselves, and it was a actually a chapel service at a seminary, so it wasn't anybody who was like a normal pastor or anything that was there, and it made me think that if you're a Graceway person, obviously you know who I am, but just in case... There's somebody uh, watching this that maybe is not from our church. First of all, welcome and thank you for doing that. And uh, I am Greg Keenan, the pastor here at Graceway Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And we have been taking uh, for some time now, well over a year, we've just been going through certain psalms. We haven't, uh, we've gone through a lot of them, but we haven't even scratched the surface of the whole book. It's got a massive uh, amount of material in it. And uh, we found some things that were really good and really uh, relevant to um, our situation, to the times in which we live. And uh, it reminds me of what Solomon said, that there is nothing new under the sun. And uh, that really is the case, isn't it? And so uh, as we look at Psalm 67, I'll give you time to turn there in your own uh, copy of The Word of God... And this is a Psalm of David, and it answers a question that I think is very good for serious Christians to uh, consider, and that is, why should God bless us? You know, we're so used to just coming before the Lord in prayer and asking God to bless us, and we, uh, when somebody sneezes, we say, God bless you, and we sing "God bless America," and we certainly need those things, and they're certainly valid, and the blessing of God is evident throughout all of Scripture. But have you ever thought about why should he bless us? Well, sometimes we may be just like a spoiled little kid that just says, "Well, of course he's going to bless us. I'm the most wonderful uh, child that he has, you know? I'm entitled to his blessing. And sometimes we might think about maybe the rights that we have or the promises that God has given us as His children. But we want to go in this psalm and take a look. We're only going to look at one verse today, but don't get too excited. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be short, does it? In Psalm 67, verse 1, it says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. And then David says, Selah. Now, we don't know exactly what Selah means, but it seems to be a a place for a pause. So that's a good place to take a pause. And that's what we're going to do as we consider. We're just going to look at that first verse. But may I go ahead and read the rest of the psalm so we get the whole context and the the gist of it? Verse 2, he gives us a purpose. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Verse 3, let the peoples, the different ethnic groups, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. And then we get another Selah, another place to pause and think about that. The contrast between what we see in the world today even when it's at its best, it falls short of the glory of God. And God one day is going to rule and reign on earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the judgment is going to be absolutely righteous. And our good governments and our good situations on earth won't even compare to that. What a day that will be, right? Verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. And God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So I I think without going too much into what we're going to look at, we can sum this up by saying that the, the proper reason that we should want God to bless us is not really for our own well-being or our own comfort, even though that might be included in it. Um, I don't know about you. I, I do better, and I think better, and I act better, and I'm a better pastor, I'm a better father, I'm a better grandfather, I'm a better husband, when I'm comfortable. So I'm not saying that comfort is not a part of any of this, but at the same time, I look at Daniel in the lion's den... And uh, that's a great blessing to read that story for us, but it wasn't really comfortable for him. Uh, I think about Jesus on the cross, for example. I think about Paul in prison. In other words, blessing may uh, result in us being comfortable, but that's not really the goal, is it? Sometimes great things come out of our being uncomfortable and there's a lot of creativity that comes out of being uncomfortable or going through pain. There's a lot of ministry that comes out of that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 that we comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Well, I don't need comfort unless I'm in some type of pain. See what I'm saying? So uh, maybe just our own comfort and well-being or because I want it. Wah, wah, wah. You know, it's not really the best motive for the way that we pray and ask God to bless us. I want to um, kind of explore this in verse 1 and give you some reasons. Why should God bless us? Well, the very first word in verse 1 is the word God. It's the word Elohim. It's the word that's used of a powerful creator God. And uh, that just struck me as I was studying this. The first reason God would bless us is, number one, because we know Him and He knows us. You know, uh, to know that there is a God doesn't take a rocket scientist. Every culture that has ever existed has had some form of deity. But, boy, do they ever get it wrong. How do we have the audacity... To say that when we pray, when we come to God for salvation, when we come to Him for blessings, how do we have the audacity to say that we're right? Well, it's not through science, it's not because we've weighed out all of the evidence. How do we know God? Well, we know Him because He has revealed Himself to us. This powerful God who made us, made the world, made the universe and everything in, a, in it. He has revealed himself. He's made himself known to us. Do you realize what a blessing it is just to know God? How many billions of people on the earth right now? Seven some billion. How many of them have never heard of the God that you know, love and trust? How many of them are living and they are worshipping some some worthless idol or they're worshipping something that God, that Elohim has created instead of worshipping and knowing Him? Why us? And why should we be favored? Because God has revealed Himself to us. And that is, of course... A tremendous blessing he really would not have to go any further than that to think that we have a God who is knowable a God who has taken the time to reveal himself to us a God that we can know personally that we can relate to and then think about this he's not just a casual friend or a buddy we're not doing him a favor by being his friend he is worthy of all of our time all of our respect, all of our possessions, everything. He is worthy, or we might put it this way, He's worth it. Whenever you balance the scale, whatever it is that over uh, the years of time you may have given to the work of the Lord, let me just say this, He's worth it however much time you may have spent in prayer, how, many, how much time you may have spent in doing something for Him and in His strength and power and for His glory when you maybe would have rather have done something a little easier or uh, something that would bring pleasure to you. Why do you do that? Because He's worth it. Why do you take time to get to know His Word? Because He's worth it. And maybe we could just say this. For those people who truly are saved, but they struggle with things like church attendance and giving and witnessing and Bible study, those kind of things, why are they so hit and miss? Because they don't think it's worth it. Why are some of you so extremely faithful to the Lord? Because when you weigh it all out, you say this. Knowing God, that is worth everything everything to me he is worthy of that he is worth it we might say so there's the first reason to think about this why should i ask god to bless me because i know him and he knows me and that's really where it all starts or that's where it ends number two notice this the next phrase in here says be merciful be merciful You know, there are people that ask God for grace and they ask God for mercy and they don't realize what they're actually saying. Whenever I ask God to be merciful to me, that is not me saying, Oh God, just be nice. You know, I'm a nice guy and I've been a good kid and I've done some right things. Just, you know, be nice to me and and give me little extra goodies and all of that. That's not what it means. In fact, the idea that I would need mercy means that I've done something worthy of punishment. I've done something worthy of discipline. I've done something that's worthy of his displeasure. And so I'm asking God for mercy. Whenever you ask God for mercy or for grace, either one, you are actually admitting that you're wrong. You're actually admitting that you're unworthy of kindness or favor or any of that. Boy, people don't understand that in this culture. In fact, I have heard people on TV talk about grace. You know, that's been thrown around a lot. Grace under pressure, grace under fire, those kind of things. Oh, this person was so gracious. And we tend to think of it as just being, they were nice, you know. And and the implied thing is, which they should have been because I'm a nice person myself, right? Well, that's never the case when it comes to God. Grace and mercy are always, always, always undeserved. And so... When I think about the blessing of God and asking God to bless me, uh, I know Him and He knows me. And number two, because we are undeserving and He is gracious. This is a God who loves to give blessings to the undeserving. This is a God who loves and delights in forgiving sinners like you and like me. And as much as we are aware of our sin... I think there's a whole lot that we are not aware of. We don't realize how sinful our sin really is, and we don't realize how sin permeates everything that we do. And so, there's never a time where we can come before God and and say, "Lord, I've earned Your grace." You know, I've done something that you uh, now Your response would be to be gracious to me. That would make grace and mercy a reward, and it's never a reward. In fact, it's something that takes us out of deserved punishment and puts us in a position of divine favor. That's the grace of God given to you and me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He bore our sins so that God could give us His grace. You've heard the definition of grace, the unmerited favor of God. We don't uh, emphasize the unmerited part enough. In fact, we fail to understand that what I do deserve and what I have earned is an eternity in hell. But God in his mercy and grace has chosen to put the punishment I deserve on his own son. Jesus suffered in your place so that God could give you the favor and the blessing that he would give his own son that to me is truly amazing grace not earned not deserved nothing like that god giving it out of his good pleasure his kindness this is where we find all of this happening other translations say about this verse new king james and the king james say be merciful but other translations say be gracious uh one says show kindness Another one says, Show us favor. And then there was one that says, Have pity. Oh God, have pity on us. So that all gives us the idea that we are sinners that are coming to God because He is a merciful and gracious God. And the only people that can approach Him rightly are not the perfect, not the righteous, because there's none righteous, it's the failures. Now, sometimes when I get ready to pray, I have this voice kind of in my head that says, how dare you try to pray to God after all you've done? And I have this idea I've got to get everything right before I can come to God. In fact, uh, growing up, that was preached to me. If you've got any unconfessed sin in your life, you can't come before God. And then they tell you, you need to come to God and confess your sin. Well, how's God going to hear me? Before I've confessed my sin. And how does he hear me when I'm confessing my sin? Because it almost sounds like he doesn't hear me until I've confessed my sins. Well, if he's not hearing me confess... Oh, this gets all tangled up, doesn't it? Has there ever been a time where you were fully aware of all of your sin? Has there ever been a time to where you thought you were walking with God... and then over time you found out... Whoa, I've been doing some things that are wrong. You see... Whenever you go before the Lord and you have this feeling of, Oh Lord, I'm unworthy to come before you. Well, when have you ever been worthy? Your worthiness is not in you. It's in the worthiness of Christ. And at the same time, whenever you come before the Lord and you're really, really feeling good about your standing before God based upon what you did Uh, I witnessed to people, I gave money to the church, I read my Bible every day and all of that, then you're trusting in your own righteousness. You're like the Pharisee in the temple. I thank you that I'm not as other men are and all of that. I know you don't mean to do that, and I don't mean to do that, and yet that's exactly what we do when we come before the Lord on the basis of what we have done. Or maybe we go before the Lord on the basis of what we haven't done. I'm so glad, Lord, that I have not looked at pornography. I'm, so, I'm coming before you, Lord, because I haven't smoked. I haven't gotten drunk this week. I didn't beat my wife. or I mean, we could come up with a lot of those. Well, the worst sinner on earth can come up with a lot of things that he doesn't do. God doesn't accept us on the basis of what we do or what we don't do. I mean, we ought to do what's right. And we ought to stay away from what's wrong. That's just normal for a Christian, Right? But that's not the basis that God blesses us on because all of us sin and all of us fall short of the glory of God. It's not even based upon the way that we feel. This is the psalmist coming and saying, God, be merciful to this failure, to this one who has actually blown it, this one who really has no reason or right to come before you. And so God blesses us. Why? Because We're failures, and He is very, very merciful toward us. So what makes us worthy? Well, again, it's not what I haven't done. It's not what I have done. It's not how I feel, but it's based upon what Jesus has done. I come to you. This is why we come in Jesus' name. I come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Why? Because of what He has done for me. He lived the perfect life that I could never live, and I'm saved, Paul says in Romans, not only by his death, but by his life. I need that. I need the righteousness of Christ, the full obedience of Christ, in order to come before the throne of my heavenly Father. I've got to have that, and that's what God gives me in salvation. He wipes my record book clean and puts the righteousness of Christ in its place, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. So that, number three... What we find in here is that God blesses us. And He does this because we belong to Him. And of course, He belongs to us. And there's that uh, uh, dualistic kind of relationship there. And it's all through, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in us and He lives through us and God blesses that. But there's something that we kind of miss. I know that we tell people, you've got to have your own individual And personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is certainly true. And as someone said one time, God doesn't have grandchildren. You don't just kind of be born and morphed into this whole family thing. And yet at the same time, the moment you were saved, it's almost like that becomes the end of you. You become a part of a body. I want you to think about how when uh, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. The very first thing that Jesus did... Is to teach them not to pray my Father, which art in heaven, but our Father. Have you ever noticed that? He talks in there about give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why would he do that? Well, when you got saved, you became a part of a family. You became a part of a kingdom. You became a part of... Of a body. And those things mean that you are a part of a group, a wonderful family, a wonderful community of believers. And when David prays this prayer, he talks about God showing mercy not just to me, but to us. And God um, being gracious, not just to me, but to us, the blessing of God is for us bless us he says because whatever god does for me is supposed to bring glory to god and it's also to be uh the diffusing of blessing upon the body of christ and even to people that are not saved for you and for me to live as a christian to talk as a christian to perform as a christian to be an ambassador as a christian Everywhere we go, in the workplace or at school, if they ever have school again, uh, whenever we're shopping, wherever we are, even if we're wearing a mask, uh, all of this means that we are a diffuser, a diffuser of the glory and the blessing of God. Other people, our neighborhood ought to feel blessed because we're there. Our nation ought to be blessed because we are here. And I think about when um, Joseph was a slave to Potiphar, the Bible says that God blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. And that's the way it ought to be for the body of Christ, for the kingdom of God. We ought to be a blessing to one another. We ought to be a blessing to the Lord. And we ought to be a blessing to everyone that we are around. I want you to think about these verses here. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us... To the kingdom of his beloved son. You became a part of a new kingdom. When you were born again. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. See what kind of love. The father has given to us. There it is again. That we should be called the children of God. All of those are plural right. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So a singular God, but plurals as it relates to those who are loved by Him and uh, a part of His family. We're called children of God. So we've seen in Colossians, the kingdom, in First John, the family, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it so you don't actually cease to be an individual right paul makes that clear and yet you do cease to be an individual because none of the individual parts of the body exist unless they are part of the body and the plurality of all of the members of the body connected ...to the head, and the head is Jesus Christ... ...and we are the individual members of the body as we work together. Uh, It's amazing how God has set all of this up. So the us refers to the people of God... ...and the blessings are God's acceptance and His favor upon our life. As Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, "...Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... "...with which He has blessed us in the Beloved." And in the Beloved, I think, should say the Beloved One, meaning in Jesus Christ. So think about that. The moment you got saved, you ceased to be just an individual wandering around doing your own thing. You became a part of a kingdom, a part of a family, and a part of a body. And you were super and abundantly blessed with all of these blessings... By the Lord Jesus Christ. Which brings me to number four. And uh, why should God bless us? Because we can do nothing without him. This is an interesting phrase. Lord not only be merciful and bless us. But this next phrase. The last thing we look at before the Selah. And cause his face to shine upon us. What does it mean to have his face shine upon us? Well one writer said. (coughs) Excuse me. When a king smiled on a supplicant with pleasure, the petitioner was likely to receive his request. Think about Esther coming before uh, the king and he raised the scepter. When you come before the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, the scepter is raised. There's a smile on his face as he greets you as you come before him. There's not this reluctance. Martin Luther said prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. He receives you just as he would receive Jesus Christ. Let your face shine upon me. The face of joy and pleasure and acceptance. Another writer said he prayed that God's people would be blessed so that they could extend God's blessings to the unconverted world. And he asked for God's blessing so that they might carry out this noble task of world evangelization. In other words, David is saying here, I need your favor, I need your blessing, I need your power, I need your ability. I need your face to smile upon what I am asking for because this is something I could never do on my own. And he talks about reaching all of the peoples on the earth for the glory of God. Have you ever thought about what a big task it is that God has given you? Maybe as a husband, maybe as a father, maybe as a wife or a mother. The task that God has given you to reach other people for Christ. The task that He's given you to build up the body. The task that He has given you to share the gospel with other other people. And you look at that and you say, well, I could never do that. And you're right, you never could. And God never expects you to be the one that does that. What David is saying is, this whole thing is an impossibility unless it has your blessing, unless it has your power, unless it has your favor, unless it has your anointing upon it. And that's what we want, to be blessed by God so that that blessing is diffused everywhere that we go and in everything that we do. This is true humility. I can't do anything apart from you. In fact, Jesus told us that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not just going to be difficult. You can't do anything. And so I need you and I need your power. And I'm so thankful that wherever God is, His power is always there. And uh, we need to have His favor and blessing upon what we do. Um, some people kind of have the idea that, well, once I get saved, it doesn't really matter what I do. God is always for me. Well, you know, the Bible says, sorry to burst your bubble, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so many times we find ourselves just stubbornly doing what we want to do, even when we know it's wrong. And there are other times when we may not be aware that things are wrong, but Good night, it sure seems like we're always going uphill and always pushing a heavy load. Where is the power of God? And lo and behold, we find out over time that what we were doing was not being blessed by God. He was actually resisting us because he resists the proud. The proud would be those who, they don't feel any need for prayer. They don't feel any need for humility. In fact, they kind of, deep down inside, even though they would never say it, they feel like they're doing God a favor. God is just lucky to have me on His team. And, you know, I'm doing all these things for God. And uh, we get a little arrogant sometimes, even when we don't realize it. And we forget that the abominations, those things that God hates... Pride is the top of the list. And you may have never been an adulterer. You may have never been a homosexual. You may have never been a thief. You may have never been a murderer. But you've struggled with pride. And so David is reminding us here that God doesn't bless us because we're so wonderful and he can't get along without us. It's because he has revealed himself to us and we know him. It's because He's merciful to miserable failures like us. He's a forgiving, a gracious, and a very merciful God. That He has taken us and put us into a wonderful family of believers, into a wonderful kingdom, into a tremendous body through which He does His work for His own glory. And He does all of this with the idea that uh, we would be the ones dependent upon Him. Not operating independently, but dependently upon Him. Somebody said one time, what kind of a Baptist are you? Are you an independent Baptist, a Southern Baptist, a Seventh-day Baptist? And he said, I hope I could say I'm a dependent Baptist. Because that's what we need to be as believers. Dependent upon Christ. Oh... You've probably heard the phrase, God works in mysterious ways. Did you know that's uh, from an old hymn? Um, Let me read you the words. God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill. He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Isn't that good? Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, that's what we see, he hides a smiling face. And that's what David was seeing in light of the world around us and all of the problems, all of the things that we can't understand. Let's go to God. He's got it in control. He's got your best interest at heart. He loves you. He has revealed himself to you. He has been so merciful and gracious to you. He is the one that has placed you in his body, family, and kingdom. And now he says, trust in me, because whatever it is that I want you to do, you'll fulfill your part in my big plan, my big kingdom, and my sovereign will, and my body, the church. Just do what I've equipped you to do, what I've called you to do, and just do it in my power and in my strength. Because his face shines upon us because of Jesus. And it's through that that we know we are blessed of God in a way that the world can't understand. Now let's live in that blessing. And let's, as it says in the rest of this psalm, let that blessing flow so that the peoples of the earth, the nations of the world, will give God the glory that he deserves. And that's where you'll find the joy in the blessings that God has given you. Nowhere else. Thank you so much for uh, watching this. Hey, keep up with one another as a church. Remember, the newsletter is on the website, gracewayokc.org. And uh, you can find it, I believe it's under the events tab. And uh, keep up with prayer requests and all of those kind of things. Of course, our Facebook pages. Uh, We'll we'll try to keep you updated. Call people, send cards and letters, text, emails if you still do that. Uh, Keep in touch with one another. And we'll get through this. And as we do this, God will be glorified. Keep praying and uh, keep giving. We need that. And it blesses you and it certainly blesses us. And we'll walk together through this and see what God has for us. Because what we've just said is... God has a will, a plan, and a purpose, even in these confusing and dark times. And as we follow Him, He'll make sure His work and His will that they are done and that we have the privilege of seeing them done through us. Thank you. I love you, and God bless you.